0: beautiful rebel Sam Goldsmith here and welcome to Her Great Rebellion the podcast. This is the podcast that delivers the strategy and woo to alchemize your sacred inner rebel and create the freedom you desire rooted in deep emotional stability. Through thought work, sacred medicine and radical rebellion we remember who we really are. As we spend time here together uh, each episode I'm going to ask you to take a few moments to breathe together before we begin This is a sacred action that has radically transformed my own life in so many ways. If you've been listening for a while, you know this is how we always start, and it's the way that I always choose to start my work with people and those uh, who are in Rebel Life Bootcamp. So today I'm going to be introducing uh, a very special guest to you. I'll say hello to her now. Hi, Avesa Love. Hello, Sam, and hello, Rebel community. So honored to be here. Thank you. Um, So Evase is going to join in with our short conscious breathing activity today. So we'll jump in and get started. So just taking a moment to settle down. We do this because we're so busy generally running around from here to there and trying to fit everything in. We often just forget to even breathe. So this is a few moments to, to breathe and to just bring your attention inward and to sort of recalibrate your nervous system a little bit. So for now, let's just recognize our breath and breathing together in this way. When we meet as an entry point into a sacred dimension, it's a moment for us to remember and recognize ourselves as sacred, to open up sacred listening channels, sacred hearing, sacred feeling and sacred understanding. So wherever you are right now, let's just breathe together for a few moments. If you're listening in a place where you can close your eyes, then go ahead and do so. But if you're in your car or you're walking a dog or you have this playing on your headphones, just give yourself uh, a moment to draw your attention inwards or call your energy back to yourself for a moment. Keep your eyes on the road, um, but uh, bring this attention to your breath as you're doing whatever activity it is that you're doing. Okay, so let's begin
1: by taking a breath in through our nose. And then gently and easily releasing that breath out of our mouths. And Taking a few
0: breaths here, allow your body to find an easy, natural rhythm. Not trying to control the breath in any way. But noticing that as you simply bring your attention to your breathing, your body begins to take some breaths that are perhaps deeper or some more shallow. And very quickly, it begins to gently recalibrate itself to a state of ease. Breathing
1: in and breathing out.
0: And as this easeful state happens quickly, I invite you to bring more attention to the area around your heart, connecting into our physical heart
1: and to our energetic heart, to the whole area that surrounds our heart.
0: And when that feels strong, Give permission for this energy that you've created around your heart to travel up the length of your spine to the mind and gently quieten it down.
1: Allow that quietness now to move over
0: the top of your physical head and run down the entire length of your physical body, coating your whole body in a layer of calm.
1: And as you continue to gently breathe
0: like this for a moment I invite you to sense the aliveness that is underneath this layer of calm that you've created
1: you might connect to it as your divine being as your inner being as some type of authentic energy that you associate with yourself Whatever feels resonant to you, connecting to that energy. and breathing here, give this divine being
0: permission to hear, interpret, process and feel anything and everything in the perfect way
1: for your highest good today.
0: Okay, beautiful being. So, as part of this series, I want to bring you stories of unique radical rebellions. And as you know, I'm sharing the golden nuggets that my guests have mine from their own lived experiences, their embodiment of their own work, and the ways that they now share that to help other women. So, I am absolutely beyond excited to introduce you to my guests today. If you have read my book, uh, you will definitely remember her. She is my friend, my business partner, one of my own personal mentors. And she is the lady that held me so tightly and with so much love and compassion while I processed my own relationship breakdown that she inadvertently gave me uh, part of the permission to, to write my book, Her Great Rebellion. So it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to my friend, Avesa Love.
2: Mm, Sam the feeling is so mutual it's it's really you're all inspiring to witness really the phoenix that you are and to be able to hold space and cheer you on and so really this is so fantastic and I'm, I'm honored to be here and love you so much
0: thank you so much So uh, for those listening, Avesa is a devotional artist and musician. She is a transpersonal psychologist and Pneuma Breathwork facilitator. And she's also an aromatherapist with doTERRA Essential Oils and a well-being and business leadership coach uh, mixed in with all of that. Alongside her husband, Mm -hmm. uh, Maddie, they have two music albums. So uh, one is Love Is king at love is queen and the other is called the road uh, and together they share live music and mantra events wellness classes and retreats coaching and courses uh, so for those listening for a long time, uh, people know that I'm all about putting our money where our mouth is and living our own work and Avesa, you're absolutely stellar at that. So mm-hmm. I'm so excited that you're here to share your journey and uh, how that path has led you to helping other women to, um, to do the same. So let's get started, um, jump in and just, uh, would you mind giving us a little bit of an, uh, brief overview of your background and how you what you've experienced in your own life that's led you to being passionate about this work that you're doing with women now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I feel like the background really was the profound, like the beginning of my life in this work of the inner work really began with this profound humbling experience and i feel like this is probably how it is for most of us in this era um a very difficult uh crisis in fact so for me, it began when I was I my whole life, but like my when I was a teenager and growing up, I was set on the path to be a professional dancer. Um, I wanted to be in Broadway uh, and I was really on course for that. And um was in college eventually and in that atmosphere i was in a very toxic uh space where i had a very which is very common i had dance teachers who would uh tell me i was too big and just uh, you know i i confronted many of the the demons that are there within the kind of new york city dance arena and i developed a massive eating disorder i was anorexic i was bulimic and uh, and once that had developed to a certain point that i woke up and realized, oh, I I no longer want to be anorexic and bulimic. Um, I actually was shocked and surprised at how I was out of control. Like I didn't have any, I couldn't just stop that behavior. And it began, it, 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 it mystified me. Like how could I, in my pride of being, you know, a teenager who thought she knew exactly what she wanted to do and had control over life, how could I lose so much control? And it really brought me to my knees and, um, struggling, struggling to, to overcome this addiction, uh, to my eating disorder one night, I had this profound reflection that led to a kind of divine revelation, divine experience by myself. I, you know, I didn't grow up with any spirituality or religion. Like my mom definitely would say here or there, like, oh, look at the sunset that God painted. But that was about it. Like we didn't go to church or anything like that. Um, so it was there was no outside influence. Sitting there in my own apartment in Queens, New York, I had suddenly a profound reflection around why am i here and this is the existential crisis that we all have yeah why am i even here and why am i suffering so much what is all this suffering and and why am i so imprisoned or enslaved even and i even thought about like my genetics i have african-american in me um i thought at the time that i dated american actually i don't <laughs> um i knew that i had jewish ancestry i knew that i My ancestors have struggled so much. And yet here I was as a woman who technically could do what she wanted. Like so many freedoms we have. And I was completely enslaved. And from there, this realization of my own self enslavement, conditioning, I somehow had this crack open to to what I would call God. But you can give another, we can put any other name or word, spirit, spirit, the mystery um I had a connection to this kind of cosmic like oh I'm part I'm here because of that that right and I woke up the next morning and what was a really intense addiction like I was bulimic and anorexic every single day um it was lifted and I was like kind of full of like this like little bliss or happiness like it was a, a weird type of levity and i was like who is this god and how come i don't know anything about this god and i was going to everywhere to learn more about uh this being i was going to church i was started reading buddhism i started reading hinduism and that there in my path of self-knowledge began i eventually moved in yoga. And it was the path of healing thereon. And, you know, the addiction I had to um, an eating disorder, that self-destructive tendency, right? That was my sort of flavor. But it's the process that I went on to completely uh, transcend that is the process that we're all going through from my own observation and from working with so many people, this own kind of mental emotional slavery, this conditioning. And so I'm completely committed to, to participate in the relieving of suffering, um, which is what all of the spiritual traditions, all those sages, that was their commitment to. So I'm a student of that. And that eventually brought me to, um, the study of transpersonal psychology and Numa breathwork within the institute called Numa Institute under the founder Juan Ruiz Nalpari. He's a Peruvian psychologist, but also comes from shamanic lineage and deep student of theology. So I started studying with him. That eventually, that community introduced me to doTERRA essential oil. So I began to um, educate more in in plant medicine and understanding that and in partnering with doTERRA um all i had started playing music uh for my own healing when i had to stop dance i started i picked up music because i needed i'm an artist in my being so i needed to to have some outlet for expressing but it was really from a place of of personally needing healing and it still is Every day I go to play music, it's for my own need for that reunion with my being um, and receipt needing that medicine. And so um, music continued to flow and I um, you know, eventually met my husband. And so we played music together and have been on this similar path or the same path together really um, for the last over a decade now. And so, and that's how you are in my life
0: too. So that's the whole, that's the trajectory. Of,
2: of my background and my journey
0: to today yeah thank you so much and i think that everybody listening can relate to this concept of self-enslavement that you talk about you know it doesn't have to be um boxed into a addiction per se or some sort of um, externally apo- a Uh, enforced condition or, um, Mm -hmm. prison like structure. It's this enslavement of ourselves that's happening on a daily basis. Every time we're shutting ourselves down, every time we're keeping quiet, every time we're not expressing and, uh, holding back and all those sorts of things that, you know, just even recognizing that it's ourselves that are enacting that enslavement is a powerful Starting point for so many, um, so many women. I just want to circle back and ask you: When you um, had this experience, and you woke up the next day, and you felt that your, you'd had this addiction sort of lifted, and this new lightness and um, bliss come about. Um, I want to dig into this because I know that so many women who listen to this podcast and who come to work with me have been functioning in their lives under this sort of um false false hope I guess that there's going to be a silver bullet or a magic pill or a magic potion or the right practitioner that's going to come along and they're going to have this moment of like profound awakening that occurs just in an mm-hmm. instance and then everything's going to be easy. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that you know that's definitely not part of your teaching. So when we have these openings or these moments of um insight or spaciousness or you know what you described with that lifting of the addiction. Can you just speak to how that that is actually the beginning of the work, not the end? Such
2: a great catch, Sam. Um, Yeah, very, very important. In fact, just from a very just to share with everybody too about my personal process with that that chapter of my life or that that demon we could call or that struggle. While that neck from that realization or that epiphany, there was it was like I was pulled off of a cliff for sure. And there was suddenly um, the compulsion wasn't, wasn't nearly as strong because there was now a new, that void, that existential void I had, had been filled in by, you know, a certain percentage. Right. Um, And so definitely that compulsion went way down. However, I still actually years for a couple of years had to continue. That was the beginning of actually digging into the psychology of why I had you know, what were my childhood wounds with my father? Um, what had, to, what was this 10, this mental pathology, how did it take root? And, and yes, I still had to, I still was controlling my food. I noticed that there was even a one moment, uh, when actually it relapsed even a little bit, I was, I was actually working with a therapist that I don't think was the best therapist at the time. Um, but relapses also are part of the journey can be absolutely part of the journey. Um, so, that that's important to to share as well. Um, but it was the beginning of my freedom. And um yeah, the the way that I personally have studied and see these um uh, kind of tendencies, we call them egos as well, inside of our psyches. They're like an onion or or like a a knot. Uh, in fact, there's a man named Stanislav Grof. He's the one who created holotropic breathwork. He he was a pr- transpersonal psychologist, pioneer in the 60s. And in the work and the research that he did, he would use like entheogenic kind of substances and all sorts of um, uh, different t- um, tactics to explore the consciousness, the psychic human being. And what he discovered in his exploration was that there's 49 levels of the psyche 49 levels of each um like so for example rage someone that's working with rage inside of them we're going to be able to chip away one level at a time and some and oftentimes as we're chipping away at the levels as you get deeper into the psyche they get more dense and um more raw perhaps so it's important too that to not linearize our process and think, oh, I am I must be getting worse because actually I feel like I'm struggling with it even more. It may be just that there's a new level, a new layer. You know, it's like a video game, right? Level two, level three. Um, so does that help or does that?
0: Yeah, no, that's great. I talk about that in my book as well. I just call it layers because I, yeah. I that's been my experience also. And, you know, it's it's breaking this, illusion that we've been sort of conditioned through our society to believe that once we sort of get crack one nut or once we hit one nail on the head that's going to mm-hmm. somehow co- create a catalyst that unlocks everything else and then we're going to be free and happy and successful and all the things but Overnight. this yep. yeah this like acceptance of um awesome. a new level same devil in different clothing (laughs) it's probably a good a good analogy yeah um and I love that you speak so um Mm -hmm. like just so simply around that because I feel that a lot of the personal development work that is around at the moment and a lot of the people that we see on social media and things like that they don't they don't talk to that they're talking in a way to sell their product or their program or their solution um, without referencing anything you know sometimes the solution actually opening up the next layer which can <laughs> create a whole another yeah. set of uh, a whole other kettle of fish um, in and of itself. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you um, specifically about. Um, I know we we spoke about what sort of new ideas you're bringing to the planet when, with your work, and mm-hmm. you're very humbly um, describing that you don't actually think you're bringing necessarily new ideas, but um, you're sort of perhaps bringing a a different thinking process around some sort of not popular, um, ideas. So I particularly wanted to just talk about what, um, what you mean when you talk about the idea of one sacred sexuality, You say that's a practice mm-hmm. that you practice with your husband, you've done so for a long time, but also, um, this is really relevant. I think most people listening to this podcast have a business or a uh, blog or a passion project of some kind. Um, talking about the way that women are going to use this term because I want it to be, um, activating prostituting themselves physically and energetically. Can you just yeah. speak around that a little bit?
2: Yes, I know. I, put, I it was interesting actually, as I w- witnessed myself writing that on, I was like, wow, am I really going to go there?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's so great yes, because so important. yeah, even this idea of, um, you know, how as women we source how are we sourcing our power? Are we sourcing power. it vertically or horizontally? And you know, even the mind's desire to link that to um to, to the ideas of prostitution or sex in and of itself is a whole nother discussion. But yeah, just um I'm I'd love to hear hear your thoughts yes. on that. Absolutely. And it's
2: it's everything. It's everything, it's the foundation of our very existence. Just to begin with how are we all here we're here due to sex right it's the most powerful energy in the universe it's the very foundation of our psychology as well of our thoughts of our motion the very fabric of existence there's um swami shivananda he's a great yogi that i follow and he broke it down in his book um, divine bliss he said if we look at ourselves and we are you know our most physical element is our flesh you know and our bones then if you get more subtle you'll see our blood more subtle um you know there's probably something else marrow um but even more subtle there is the semen semen actually this is our essential sacred substance in fact this is how we got here right this was the vehicle that we got here and like you were saying sam um, there's these, there's these two, there's this, there's, there's these two archetypes we can see inside of our psyche. We have the prostitute or the whore, right? We also have the virgin as well. We have these kind of two archetypes and let's see, how do I want to enter this conversation and share? This is the first time actually that I've publicly, um, shared on this topic, which is, I think, Right now, very counter culture we have. Right. You can see a lot of people right now, um, for example, sharing about how if you have a million or a a dozen orgasms, you're going to become this great millionaire. Right. Mm -hmm. So according to the ancient times and the ancient alchemy as well. That substance, which is our, um, our sexual fluid, our sexual energy, is something that wants to be highly, highly conserved and sublimated. If you're um, a yogi, you've probably heard of what's referred to as the Devi Kundalini. Now that is a representation of this um, this great reservoir of chi, of life force, which is also has a, an intelligence as well that is there at the root of the base of our spine and the goal of all of our our lives and is according again to all the ancients is is self-realization and we could say that the obstacle or what's causing us suffering in our lives is is the lack of realizing who we are right if we don't realize who we are we're grasping for things externally yeah so in that same um in line with that, the the yogis and the ancients or you can even see it in the biblical texts when moses held the staff and and said we must raise the serpent on the staff so the yogis also say we must raise our devikundalini energy we must bring that energy up through the spine um and into the heart like that's our path towards self-realization um the way that we can bring ourselves to greater aging depletion, um, is to, and they say it, I mean, it's there. I know, again, this is, maybe sounds taboo. Um, but when they're talking about, for example, fornication or adultery in the 10 commandments, even, um, in the yogis, it's, it's also quite clear as well there in, in all the ancient doctrines, if we are going around and spreading our sexual energy around a lot, it, um, apart from if we separate ourselves from the idea of a punishing or a judging universe or God and get rid of that idea, it's really just instructions of this is what's going to bring you to to peace within yourself, to heaven within yourself, um, is the conservation of that sacred sexual energy. Um, Even in the book, um, I think it's um, Napoleon Hill. He talks about actually um, in his book, Think and Grow Rich about the importance of the conservation of our sexual energy. And this um, spilling of our energy and um, the not knowing around how to practice with a committed partner in in the sacred act of sexuality in order that we're conserving our energy as well. Um, it is the the result of it is a profound level of um low self-esteem, um, lack of self-worthiness. And and of course you can see we begin to um kind of prostitute ourselves to sell ourselves. Okay, if I take off more of my clothing and my social media pictures, um, sell myself sexually as a transaction. This is all resulting from this um kind of lack of understanding that we have of, um, the power of our preservation of our energy and, um, yeah, the lack of sacredness around our sexuality. And now if we react, the last thing I'll say, and I hope I explain this kind of simply, um, the last thing I'll say too, is, is we, if we approach our sexuality we want to our our mission is to be able to approach our sexuality from a place and everything in life from a place of equilibrium of balance right center so you can see in our kind of world um uh, landscape from a place of reaction which is not from the center you'll see out in you know the kind of the arabian um cultures of islam they reacted to this issue we could say of of human humanity not not understanding how to work with their sexuality they reacted and they were like okay let's clothe women completely um but and there was obviously a reaction from fear there right and then we can see now in the west is okay a reaction towards being um, sexuality being repressed is okay let's now um dress like prostitutes so now our our you know, famous music stars and movie stars, you know, essentially, um, are dressing like prostitutes, right. Selling of the sexuality is what included. It's still a place of fear coming from that place of fear. So there's a real need for, um, this emergence of, of the sacred of balance and, um, Yeah, that self honoring that knows your value so that you don't need to, of course, sell yourself, um, knows that there is a sacred partner out there for you, um, that you don't need to lower your standards. I don't know. Is any of that making yeah, sense? Yeah,
0: I think this is such an important conversation and I do hope that it is um it is activating for people listening because I know, you know, this discussion is very prominent in um in our social media culture especially for women in business at the moment and it's not um I guess I come from this standpoint of how we do one thing is how we do most things. That's what a lot of my own um, personal development has been, has stemmed from. And so we can't compartmentalize or separate or fragment ourselves and think that how we're behaving in one way is not having an effect on some other area or aspect of our lives so this conversation is really not about judging what anybody's doing but more returning people to a um, reflective point of seeing ourselves and our lives and our business and our action and everything as being even more sacred because as soon as we bring that idea of sacredness to anything it automatically amplifies and uplifts
2: its energy yeah totally yeah absolutely and yeah i think that this tantra ancient tantra is coming more um people are are wanting to study it more there's definitely different versions of it um distortions of it as well but um uh yeah there's there's so much to share in that that
0: arena great yes Um, Thank you. Yes, it's such an important uh, conversation for us to be having. And even if we could just talk um, in really practical terms about this idea of where we're um, sourcing our power and how we're kind of using our power to enact the things that we want in our lives or to achieve results and things like that. Can you speak to how that might be translating out to women in their business? You know, is, yeah
2: absolutely so we want to always we want to work to keep a, a serene observation of ourselves um, and cultivate that inner muscle at all times and serene observation is a technique which we teach in numa transpersonal psychology where we're observing ourselves without judgment and without justification So really a scientist that's studying your thoughts, studying your emotions, and also your actions. So then in that space, you can ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? So for example, um, we see this is very, very popular right now to put on lingerie, for example, maybe, or um, a completely nude photo or whatever it might be. And, And again, I'm not judging the actual like, what that photo is, I actually don't know. What that person's thoughts or feelings are when they are posting that, maybe um, some of them are are coming from a real, true, compassionate place for the world. But we want to, for our own selves, ask ourselves if that impulse is coming. Why? Why am I feeling the need to post this picture of myself in laundry? What am I wanting? What kind of attention am I wanting? And definitely. If we are um, um, selling ourselves, selling ourselves sexually, we're going to get a lot of energy, no doubt. Uh, prostitutes make a lot of money; <laughs> it's a huge industry, right? I mean, the porn industry is a huge industry. You're going to make um, get attention, likes, maybe even following. But we want to create. Look at our look at what kind of um, energy is that what is and of course and because i'm a yogi a student of of yoga uh what kind of karmas are being generated from that as well right what were we what did we what were we inspiring in other people like what did what kind of um effect or reaction were we provoking were we touching their heart or were we touching their egos right their egos of lust and lust I want to share about lust because we're talking about sex, sacred sexuality and lust is a very confused subject today um, because there's been a reaction to, you know, um, very naturally, there was a reaction to the repression that, that um, a lot of the constitutional religions created a repression of sexuality. And so um, of course there's been an an embrace then of, of lust in our, our society, but we, if we, um, again, if we study truly the essence of these um, ancients and even just truly ourselves, if we study ourselves and study what is love, what is love? This myst- mystery of true love. And when we study some of those beautiful scriptures, love gives without expecting anything in return. Love is compassionate. Love is um, wants to serve love, um, doesn't, um, have resentment. Love actually doesn't have attachments as well. It's unconditional. Um, it's not selling, right. Love is this, um, you know, those are some qualities and and probably, you know, really love is another word for God, right? I mean, it's, it's something that we will forever be walking towards in this lifetime and never maybe fully achieving that pure, complete, um, whole sense of love. Now, lust, what is lust? Now, lust was what was described. And the reason why it was described as one of those capital sins, lust is the inversion of love. It takes what is the natural, spontaneous, um, attraction between two beings and it makes it transactional. It means I'm going to take something from you. I'm going to objectify you. I'm going to seek a pleasure out of you um, rather than it actually coming from a place of actual love and care. That's why having sex with somebody that doesn't, that isn't committed to you or doesn't love you is one of the more detrimental things that we can do for our psyche. And I know I did it when I was in my early I didn't know any better when I, before I I really started studying, we've all, most of us probably that have listened to this call have done that. And you can observe with yourself, what happened when I was having sex with somebody that actually didn't love me? What did that do to my self-esteem? Okay. So that's a, a little bit of a description of lust. It's this type of addictive, uh, aggressive. And when it gets into some of its darker forms, that's where we see rape. That's where we see some of the deeper perversions in our humanity are like, it's real dark expression of lust, but lust in it, even its subtle forms is, is inside of all of us. Right. So, um, again, it expressing through your business, through your marketing, it may for sure attract people, but it'll attract also suffering because that's what lust, that's the result of, of lust. Um, and my invitation is to, to express love and trust in love and know that love from your pure place in your heart is enough. You don't need to, um, go for the cheap, easy attention seeking, um, expressions. Yeah. And that, that kind of Trust that even when it takes a long, a little bit longer and, and requires a bit more patience in your business because you're not using those kind of um, uh, lustful tactics to get to, to grab people, um, that trust that it will work out. If your business, if your offering is of service to humanity and really is a compassionate offering to humanity, of course, it's going to work out. It may take a little bit of a longer road, but it'll be a more sustainable road with much less suffering right? Because it won't be unhealthy attachments and and, and all of that. So I don't know, but that
0: landed. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, people, we all have a choice um, as to what sort of level we meet ourselves and meet our our business and our activities and everything with. And what I also hearing from what you're saying is, you know, we've talked about it in this context of um, bringing the idea of sacredness to, um, sexuality and the like sexual type acts and things. And I'd love to have another episode on this because, um, I have like my own experience of really observing myself over a period of like four years about that exact thing you're talking about. So I think it's a good conversation for us to have, um, in and of itself. But what I also see is that women are, um, quote unquote, prostituting themselves in so many ways that they may not even be recognizing at a surface level you know like every time Mm -hmm. you do something that you don't necessarily want to do because you feel that you're going to get a result that you need or that is needed or you know you're sacrificing yourself for the sake of someone else or something else and you're in a way betraying yourself whether that's through mm-hmm. your thoughts or your words or your um your deeds or your acts um that that is the same it's coming from the same energy you know so we see right. people you know promoting an idea or a program as if it's this is the thing you need this is the panacea this is going to be you know exactly what you're looking for and so what is the energy behind how that offer's made or when somebody's mm-hmm. making a social media post, what's the energy behind it? Am I saying something to trigger you to cause mm-hmm. you to feel that you need my solution? Or am I offering this from a space of love because I know that it's of service, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah. our own choice about the level that we want to meet ourselves in our business Totally, at all. And it boils down to that, like
2: self-value, Self worth and and knowing who you are as a child of divinity, child of divinity. So there's no need to grasp. There's no need to um do what we know in our heart isn't isn't right for us to do, right? And that's for each of us to know moment to moment.
0: Yeah, and so when you're working with women and you're exploring. These concepts. What do you think is the biggest challenge that that women face when they're starting to do this work?
2: Mm, Gosh, well, I think the bravery that is required to walk your unique, walk the unique path, like walk the path without the need for others around you to approve and to, or to walk it with you um, yeah, there, it, there's a real need for us to have to draw allegiance to our inner being. And we're, we're so like in that kind of prostitution that we've been in of prostituting our consciousness, right. To other people. Okay. What, what do you think is valuable for me? What do you, you know, and, and losing that sense of self-esteem, there's this real, um, bravery and self-trust with our own being that is, Essential and very difficult. Very difficult to develop. We have to let go of fear. Is there with us? It's going to be there with us for for a long time. But it is un a completely unnecessary um, uh, emotion. It's it's an it's a symptom of of the ego. Um, but so it's like layer after layer after layer of letting go of fear and a lot of fear around what will people think? Um, will I be alone? that, that, that uh, core abandonment we wound, we have of feeling we're alone in this universe that we don't have, um, that spirit isn't with us guiding us. So I think I kind of said a couple of things, but
0: (laughs) yeah. And so, you know, I think everybody can resonate with that, no matter what context they're applying, what you're, what you're saying to, because we feel that whether it's about our mothering or our business or our career or our, Yes. cooking <laughs> you know it doesn't really matter we our marriage feel that yes
1: yes
0: totally. um, so what sort of um, are there any practices or tips that you think that women could like practically implement or or incorporate to help yeah. um, navigate that?
2: Yes I mean there's just really to me there's no other more important uh, practice in our lives than meditation we have to have to have to meditate every single day, like, and not just in the morning, but at night too. You know, my teacher said, and I, and I find this to be so true. If we don't connect with our center, with our being, with our, whatever that form of God is for you, we don't connect with that every eight hours. We can just expect we're going to be taken by our negative thoughts and negative emotions and the storm of our, you know, external illusions, you know, um, we really, really need a a very, we need to develop, um, this new habit of taking refuge inside and not taking refuge in our phone. Like knowing that, that peace that we're longing for when we're in crisis or we're suffering, knowing that, There actually is a path to exit that let go. You can, you can, you, we can experience any crisis in our life, actually with peace. It is possible inside of us. It's not going to be anywhere else, but internally. And certainly in the beginning, we need a teacher or we need a school to learn how to meditate and to learn how to, you know, for example, you, you guided that beautiful breathing exercises. We, We all need that. Um, But then we really need to take up the practice for ourselves to meditate. And it can even begin with five minutes in the morning, um, eventually developing it, you know, where um, you're maybe meditating a half an hour to an hour morning and night. That's key. And then I also share journaling. Journaling is so important because um, we need to study ourselves. And we have, again, inside of ourselves, our inner being, we have our, our inner therapist, you know, there could be a point where we don't need a therapist externally anymore, because when we're working with, with this divine intelligence, the supreme wisdom that is inside of us, that'll be more wise than any external therapist could be like art, inner therapist knows more knows everything that we need and so when we start to journal and we observe we put down on paper okay i was i'm feeling a lot of angst about this i'm really angry at my partner for this this is what happened okay i'm noticing this tendency this is coming from this and then suddenly as you're journaling your your inner being will start to to kick in understanding around it. And you'll be able to see from a panoramic vision. Oh, I can see this is connected with my mother (laughs) wound. This is connected with my father wound. Or I can see this pattern. You get to also look back uh, a month. Ah, you know what? I'm cycling the same crisis, the same fear. I'm cycling it. All right. Let me go to work on it a bit more. Um, So meditating and journaling are key.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, you know, speaking just from my own experience of um, being with you when I've been going through tumultuous um, times in my own life, it's journaling and even being able to verbalize to ourselves or to another person those thoughts and things that have been going on um, in our minds I feel is so powerful like that was a great liberation for me in in our conversations and allowing me to feel confident to speak to that in my book and now in my work where I talk with women about um, about the extension of thought work even feeling that there's no shame in expressing these thoughts and verbalizing what's going on um, inside, because otherwise all of that, you know, we're trying to reconcile that within ourselves and we're not even receiving it from, from our inner voice or from that true space. We're really dealing with those voices of the um, manifestations of the ego that you mentioned earlier. Totally, yeah, and I'll just share this this piece too that I think we all know because it's
2: it's in every mythic story for a reason. Um, Every hero's journey, it's it's there. Is that moment when the hero, in order to transcend to that next moment, they have to deal with the Darth Vader. That Darth Vader is their father. You know what I mean? They have to deal with the fact that the great shadow, the great, um, you know, all the elements of of what is. All the things that they've despised about others, for example, they have to deal with it, that it's inside of themselves. You know, there's that moment that's so important. Um, and and to be able to, like you said, put be able to recognize it, uh, accept the fact that it's there. It doesn't need to be there forever, but it's there. Um, and, and And in that way, then you have the opportunity to transcend it. If we repress it and don't look at it, then we don't have the opportunity to dissolve it and to transcend it. Um, and it's it's a very uncomfortable, and it, but a very important part. It's actually a maturing of our spiritual path to be able to start to deal with some of the things that we, again, are looking out in the world and we're saying, oh, that person does this. I hate that about the world. I hate that. And then eventually, you part of the maturing process is realizing that's inside of you. That's inside of me. Okay. Okay. And, and then being able to um, not judge ourselves, but also not justify it and be able to, to give it up to the light. Really important. Mm,
0: so important. All right. Well, thank you so much, Avesa. We could talk all day about this yeah. and many other um, other concepts, and maybe we will on, on a future episode. But for the time being, if listeners would like to learn more about your work or listen to your music, where can they find you and Maddie? Absolutely. Well,
2: we have Instagram. Yeah. So we are music and more around transpersonal psychology and new birth work is on our Instagram. That's Avesa Matthew Love. Um, and then we have a website that's again, www.evasalove.com. And then, um, yeah, we're also on, um, our music's on Spotify or Pandora. You can search our names. We have two, again, two albums and we know we're on Facebook, Avesa Love. And yeah, we'd love to connect, reach out, send a message.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And of course, I'll share all of those contact details uh, in the show notes when this episode uh, is published as well. So thank you so much. It's been a delight talking to you. I'm so grateful that you uh, could make the time to talk with us today and uh, look forward to talking with you on a future episode if you're open to that as well.
2: Of course, Sam. It's such an honor to have this dialogue with your bright, bright soul. and Thank you, everyone. I hope it, it serves
0: Thank you. Okay, guys. So this season, I'm looking forward to sharing even more guest insights with you, uh, exploring more on the podcast each and every episode. So please, if you haven't already hit subscribe um, and if you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or do a review. It just helps it to show up and uh, get it, get exposure to more people. If you haven't already done so, jump onto my website at www.Samanthagoldsmith.com and you can download my free self-doubt eraser meditation there and you can also visit Amazon now for copies of my book, Her Great Rebellion. And remember, if you're ready to achieve radical results and experience all the freedom that you desire, jump onto the website and check out Rebel Life Bootcamp for lifetime access to the materials and the community that will support that. Until then, uh, sit deep, live radically, and do you, my sovereign sister. See you next time.